I'm not going down just because of something some stupid adults are doing. Mobile suits. Monday, Monday. Camille's a man's name, and I'm a man! Uh, no carrots, please. Mobile suit? Roger that. Mobile suit. Mobile suit. Change. Although all enemies were defeated, Earth did not change one bit! The Commander? <laughs> He's lost it! <laughs> every other day, every other day, every other day, every other day of the week is fine! Mobile suits. You're a soldier here, aren't you? If you want to be more than just a grunt, you better learn to see the whole picture. Uh, yes, yes, sir. I'm the enemy, you idiot! Miss Matilda! Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting episode of Mobile Suit Mondays on Fanholes Podcast. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and joining me tonight is one of my fellow Gundam enthusiasts. Why don't you give a shout out, man? Hey, it's Mega-Sized Mike. Yeah, alright. So we're talking about Build Fighters once again tonight. We're talking about episode 12, which is titled Discharge. And I guess we'll just try to get into the nitty-gritty and make some comments as we go. But when, when last we left off, there was all kinds of concern for the lead heroes in our saga, where the mega-sized Zaku was, was ready to lay the smack down on all of them, and that's kind of where we left things off. So now we open up, and Mr. Rawl, of course, is running late for the latest world tournament battle because he forgot to set his alarm clock, which isn't cool when you want to be on time for those world tournament battles. And then he's, he's kind of chastising himself, and he kind of mumbles to himself, in the middle of a fight, Rawl forgot to fight, which, of course, is quoting Romba Rawl's like, famous last words from the original Mobile Suit Gundam. Were you, were you again, pleased to see <laughs> yeah. uh, Mr. Rawl? And, and, and his commentary sort of hearkening uh, back to the original Gundam, I, uh, that, that always makes me smile, yeah, I guess. Oh, I'm always, a always a delight. In the middle of a fight, Rambo Ralph forgot to fight. Yeah, it was fun. Um, and, and so, uh, I, I guess, and then we get to, to my favorite character to hate on here, Niels, early genius Nielsen, is checking out, like, all the noise and rummaging, and he sees kind of like, like something, you know, going on in the background, and he's kind of like, what the hell is going on with that huge-ass... Megazaku and everything. And it turns out that the giant Zaku is an auto-controlled gunpla, and it looks like Chairman Mashida requested that to be sent into the battlefield, because this was the guy who spilt the wine on his crotch and, and was basically, you know, shitting his pants because he saw that Reiji was piloting the star build strike. So he's he's very 
concerned about this whole thing. He's kind of trying to investigate, like he's asking his aide, like who is that, like what what name is he registered under, and everything. And so he's kind of giving us more clues into Reiji's identity. And he's talking about the the nation that Reiji supposedly comes from. I guess it's called Aryan. And so he's he's kind of it's very cryptic, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, he, he's kind of like, oh, it can't be. But if it was, like, hmm, I don't know, this might be. And he's all kind of concerned, but he doesn't really finish any of his thoughts. So we're kind of left in this sort of mystery mode where we don't, we obviously are not privy to everything. But there, there's kind of the insinuation that that they have a past somehow, and we're not really privy to it. Was there any other take that you took from from those scenes like that you got out of it or or can you can you talk about that without spoiling too much because i know you've seen you know further episodes than i have i was i don't know i i guess i i could not see where it was going like clearly at this point we're past the like you know ragey isn't an imaginary person or something right dairy. right so like i was kind of like so what is he from some like foreign country or some like other dimension or some other planet or you know where where is this kid from so right. i don't know i couldn't really like guess anything but uh, it, it, i was happy at least it seemed like his like they weren't going to leave it be like they were just like ragey's here like don't worry about it that's uh, all you need to know so i guess i was happy to see like you know the, the mystery, yeah, going on, yep. Yeah, okay. And, and of course, even even all the announcers, we've got Kirara and, and all the other kind of, you know, play-by-play announcers at the World Tournament, even they're all shocked. They're like, where does this, you know, why is there a, a mega-sized Zaku on the battlefield? Like, he wasn't part of our play-by-play announcements, you know, our prep for that. So everybody's kind of shocked that this suit is out on the field. And then, you know, basically we, we cut back to, you know, the battle that is in progress. And, you know, Mao's in his Gundam X and his, his satellite cannon gets nailed and destroyed. So they can't pull out that, you know, Trump ace against the, the mega-sized Zaku because that gets taken down right away. Majin Kawaguchi or President Yuki is, is kind of taking notice of what's going on, and he, he's basically familiar with the idea that the Megazaku was an unmanned machine, and then his buddy Alan Adams is coming to sort of tell off the chairman on on Yuki's behalf, but but he kind of gets blown off. It's kind of like he, he thinks it's all some kind of mistake, you know? He's like, oh, did you see this Megazaku? Like, why is that out on the field, chairman? And the chairman's like, oh, uh, you know, that was me. <laughs> Isn't it great? You know, and so it's just this kind of thing where you're like, oh, this this was something, you know, you, it's kind of like you walk in and you're like, this is stupid. And then you find out it was like your boss who made the stupid decision. So it's like you can't really tell him it's stupid, I guess, basically, is, is how that kind of goes down. A lot of the pilots that are not in the desert battlefield are basically, you know, holding their ground, you know, the kind of like the, the Niels Nielsen philosophy, the early genius philosophy of battle. They're all just like, oh, well, as long as we're not in the middle of this battlefield with the Megazaku, like we, you know, don't need to get involved. Uh, you know, Isla gets some communiques from her people, and they're like, just hold your ground, stay in outer space, like, you don't need to fuck with it. And then, you know, there's also another shot where they, you know, basically it seems like a lot of the players or, or contestants 
kind of are doing the same thing. You know, there were those wannabe Frost brothers who were also like, yeah, fuck it. We don't need to, you know, we, we don't need to sully our hands with that. Like, we can just stay where we are and not not get any worse for wear for, for just hanging out and seeing what happens. Then it basically becomes evident that the the Megazaku is after Reiji in the Star Build Strike. Obviously, the chairman has some kind of bad blood with Reiji. Like, there's some reason why he feels uneasy that Reiji's in the match, and the, the Megazaku is pretty much targeting the build strike. I mean, even even Fellini and, and Mao are kind of like, well, just get the fuck out of there, dude. But, but uh, you know, try as, as they might. You know, even if they're trying to back away, it seems like the Megazaku is consistently engaging them. What, what did you think? Like, I, I, I was kind of thinking about, like, when, when the Megazaku finally, like, starts opening fire on them and everything, I just kept thinking, man, those, those shells and those bullets yeah. must be like huge. Like I, did I don't know. Just... I don't know if I got the quite the effect when they finally started shooting at him, but I just thought they they should be huge. Yeah, yeah. I, I I like. There's that one brief scene where like Fellini like dodges and like all the empty casings like land near him, and they're like all humongous and stuff. So yeah, I was like, man, like those bu- yeah those bullets have to be humongous or whatever. Yeah, definitely. And then and then of course. Sai and Reiji are are having this discussion, but but of course it's in the heat of battle, so it's very fast paced and everything. But they're they're kind of trying to decide, like, okay, well, should we should we discharge from the battle? Like, should we just get the fuck out of Dodge and and leave? And and you know, basically, Sai is kind of like, well, do do you want to leave Reiji? And Reiji's kind of like, no, man. Like, and and even Sai is kind of like, yeah, this bugs me, man. Let's let's go take this thing out, you know? So that's kind of cool, because they, they have a moment where they're like, you know, even Rage is kind of like, yeah, that's my partner, you know, like that. We're, we're on the same page. Like, this this is bugging us. Like, we're going to do something about it. And so their their basic plan is they want to aim for the Megazaku's joints, because that's probably going to be the weakest part of this monstrosity that's, that's basically there to take them out and stuff. And... Uh, <laughs> And then my my favorite this was this was the moment it's kind of weird I I was going to ask you about this but it, it cuts back to early genius and he's kind of like no way dog why are they fighting it bro like what's up with that you know and everything and and then he compares them to Don Quixote fighting the windmill and that's basically a reference to to Don Quixote but like I don't really get the reference because the reference is like tilting the windmill like it's like basically he comes across windmills and then he's like well we're gonna go fight them because they're giants but like they're not really giants so like i i don't i i guess it was just a clever way to make a g gundam reference so you could have like the <laughs> yeah. windmill gundam so i think if tony were here he'd be like woo windmill gundam like g gundam woo but like other than that like i i thought the analogy was kind of flawed because i'm kind of like well it's not really. It's not like the Megazaku is just like a statue, or yeah. you know, not not a legitimate threat. Like it is. It it is basically in my mind. I'm like it is a giant. It's not a windmill. So so I wasn't quite getting what they were sort of throwing down there. But I I don't know. What did you have any take on that I guess, in particular? I guess like the joke came first, but like I guess in a general sense, like they were attacking something that didn't need to be attacked. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. I see. Yeah. 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 I, I, I can see that. That makes sense. Like, the, the, you, you didn't have to fight it, per se. I, I think that was the attitude of most of the fighters. I just kind of got the idea more, even if they discharged, like, even if they tried to avoid fighting with it, I think the Megazaku would have followed them. 
Like, if say you say you said, okay, everybody retreat to space and let the Megazaku just, I don't know, fart around in the desert. Like, I don't think the Megazaku would have stayed. Like, I think if the Star Build Strike went to the sun, the Megazaku would have followed it. You yeah. Know? So, I don't know. that. That's why I was like, I don't know how accurate or apropos that is. I guess maybe to everybody else on the field, that's what it must have seemed like. Like, you don't, you didn't have to fight this thing, but you did, you know, type thing. I'll show you! Take this! Windmills do not work that way. Good night. They they do get pretty close in, you know, because first they're trying to do long range with the beam cannons and stuff like that. But it looks like some of the shields, you know, the way it sort of tilts and moves, you know, they don't get all the good hits in. And then they basically try to get close up and they're like, we can't get it long distance. We're going to we're going to do some some one on one action and try to use a beam saber to lop off some some joints and limbs and some of the weak points and everything and then they end up getting down by a cracker grenade and so they're basically you know it's like when you when you ride a bike for the first time and you fall off and you just slam into the concrete or something off the bike you know that's that's how it looked when they they basically get taken down by that that grenade and then it looks like there's you know that the the zaku is gonna toss the second huge ass grenade that is going to most likely finish off the star build strike but of course a random blast from out of nowhere it's actually ricardo fellini and mao in their respective gundam suits looking to save their buddies and you know fellini of course is is mentioning that he's he's returning the favor you know from from the last episode when they were saving him from the ricardo fellini revenge squad and stuff like (laughs) that oh and then and then this this part i thought was good too because uh, Niels Nielsen looks to be visibly affected by the actions, the you know all all the interactions that are going on, the fact that that Sai and Reiji are standing up to this behemoth and everything. And I was like, oh, this might actually be like the first non douchey thing, you know, attitude he's had like this entire show. So I was kind of I was kind of a, a little excited to see the look on his face because you you could see he was visibly affected. It had the little anime. Like kind of you know wide eyed like I'm being affected by this, <laughs> but I'm just sitting here watching you know type thing and stuff like that. And then you know even even President Yuki or Majin Kawaguchi, he's like you know oh I'm gonna head out and and join in and help them bring down this Megazaku because now it's like the three of them you know Mao, Fellini, and then Sai and Reiji you know in their three Gundams they're they're basically you know gonna team up and try to take down this. This Megazaku and and the Camp for Amazing is already racing out there. But Alan Adams kind of chimes in on the comm and is like, "Look, man, you're the Majin, dude. Like, you don't have time to be, you know, fucking around and risking, you know, all this stuff. You know, you've got responsibilities and stuff." So it, it seems like he sort of talks him out of, you know, joining the fight directly and everything. And then basically, you know, Mao and Fellini and Sai and Reiji, like, they all kind of do, like, this trifecta attack where it's, like, all of their beam cannons shoot at the Megazaku's head, and then it kind of gets all bubbly and screwed up and explodes. So you've got now this this headless Zaku that's kind of, you know, lumbering around and everything. And and then it looks like the Star Build Strike is the one that's going to deliver the coup de grace, 
but it, it seems like there's a lot of stuff that has to get put into play for him to deliver this final blow, you know? Like, I was like, oh, cool, like, he's just, you know, he's going to use whatever his super move is, he's going to take him out, and that's going to be the end of the episode. But it actually seems to be kind of kind of dragged out, because it's like, there's, like, multiple Han Solo moments at the end of this. Like, <laughs> yeah. My take was, it was like, it was like, it was like, oh, I was like, oh, Fellini and Mao are going to be like, you're all clear, kid, let's blow this thing and go home. And then it's like, Fellini and Mao do get in front of, you know, the Zaku's, one of the Zaku's attacks, because he's busy charging up his, his, you know, final attack in the star build strike. So then they get in the way, they get slammed out of the picture. So they, they deflect that attack on the star build strike. But then meanwhile, they're incapacitated. And then the Zaku looks like it's going to kill them. And then, you know, idol Kirara is like, oh, my God, and she's screaming in the background because her, her buddy Fellini is about to get taken down. And it's like, then, you know, Han Solo 2 shows up, which is, it turns out to be, shockingly enough, Niels Nielsen, early genius, like, throws his, his blade into these missiles that are about to do in Mao and Fellini, and he ends up saving them. And then... Even after that, like, apparently it takes a really long time for the Star Build Strike's discharge weapon to charge up. So it's still building up this charge, getting ready to take down the Megazaku. And then we're not really sure who, but we can see another blast come out of the middle of nowhere, and it takes out the foot or the, the sort of, you know, leg of the, the Megazaku. And, you know, instead of the Megazaku getting off another direct shot at the star build strike, it kind of topples it, you know, it's balance and the, you know, the shot kind of fires wildly and doesn't hit the star build strike. And then finally, of course, the, the beam weapon is charged up. I guess it's based on that, you know, I, you know, they have the absorb, you know, technology and now it's being sort of reflected, you know, kind of like the BET thing we were talking about with GI Joe, where they absorbed all this stuff previously and now they're just letting it you know run wild and basically you know vomiting it all over the megazaku and so it's like all this you know separate little fiery attacks i guess from when they were fighting with you know delara and all these other guys you know from the the previous matches all kind of fly out and take out the body of the the megazaku and then the crowd just fucking goes wild it's just like everybody's like you know, so, I mean, you know, it was, it was fun. It, you know, it's a, these are always cool, fun episodes and everything like that. So, I mean, but that's basically, I mean, that that's kind of how the episode ends. I mean, for the most part, like, yeah, a lot of the Gunpla, you know, that they were using were damaged, you know. But, you know, Sai's pretty confident he can he can rebuild or, or uh, correct any damage that was done to the Star Build Strike. You know, Mao and Fellini are kind of like, ah, you know, our, our suits aren't aren't banged up too bad, you know, it's no big deal and everything. And then, of course, Mr. Rawl is, is a little suspicious of, of Chairman Mishida, like, why, why did he, you know, he, he kind of senses, like, kind of what I was talking about earlier, like, that, that it, it was basically targeting the star build strike and not really anybody else, so he, he kind of finds that a little disturbing. And then I'm, I'm guessing, based on your avatar, this was probably your favorite bit in the entire episode where, you know, Fellini comes out and, and finds Neil's early genius Nielsen. And, he, you know, he comes out to thank him for for stepping in and, and saving him and Mao. And, you know, he's like, 
Grazie, samurai boy. <laughs> so, you know, like, that's, you know. And then, so. and then, like, Niels has, like, a classic, like, Batman deflection of, you know, yeah. I wasn't really helping you, you know, I was... Yes, I, I wasn't helping you, I was just trying to find out all the abilities of the star build strike, and he's basically, like, saying, now that I know how the discharge system works, now I can do some Batman prep time and totally be ready for it in the next match, you know, so, yeah, that's how he, he kind of ends it, so, yeah, he definitely... He doesn't say you're welcome, basically. So he's still he's still kind of a dick, but I, I think even Fellini says, "But you know, come on, man, you got to admit the fight got your blood boiling. Like you dug that shit. It was cool, right? You know." But he doesn't really answer. But you kind of get the idea. Like the, his armor got a little cracked, you know. So we finally saw like uh, a little bit of a real person in there somewhere instead of a jerk face that he's been, you know, to this point. You know, meanwhile, Chairman Mashida is still trying to investigate into Reiji. Like, he's still trying to figure out, like, you know, wh- where he comes from or what's going on with him. And, and you know, we get some more details. Like, you know, he, he it seems like the chairman thinks that Reiji might want revenge for some misdeed he's done. But, you know, we don't get much more detail than that. And then uh, Majin Kawaguchi, President Yuki, he comes in to see the chairman. And, you know, he's, of course, pissed off and everything. And, you know, he's he's almost, you know, at the point where he's going to, you know, break his hand. You know, he's kind of like, come on, knock this shit off. You know, but he, he's, of course, saying, please. You know, he's like, please knock this shit off. And then, of course, when he, he you know, the chairman seems a little careless, you know, like he, he like uh, one of these kind of elite upper crust guys who who doesn't always get called out on the consequences of his actions. You know, he's kind of like, yeah, that was me. I did the Mega Gundam. Like, wasn't that fun? You know, he doesn't <laughs> understand, like, like the, uh, or, or maybe he does understand, but he just doesn't care. You know, like, he's like, oh, I shouldn't be punished for this or anything. But, you know, of course, you know, the Majin thinks differently, you know. So, and, and as opposed to, you know, getting his hand broken, eventually he sort of relents and kind of promises that there there's not going to be any more, surprises like that in the future, you know, and, th- and then, of course, we, we get some insight because when the Majin comes back, he's chatting with Alan Adams about, you know, the interaction he just had with the chairman, and they also reveal, you know, Alan is basically like, I know it was you who sniped that leg, even though we weren't privy to who actually delivered that shot, you know, now we know it was a long-range sniper rifle, so even though he wasn't actually out there on the battlefield, he, he made his way close enough so that he could do this long-range snipe thing where he took out the leg, and, you know, you know, the basic explanation of that is probably as it's been for the last couple episodes, you know, these guys want to test their metal against the other contestants, you know, at full power. They don't They don't want anybody to be, you know crippled or not at their best, you know, they, they, they want to fight these guys kind of, you know, have a fair fight instead of, uh, you know, I guess kind of doing some backhanded type stuff. So yeah. And then, and then the, you know, the Psy basically is talking about how he's working on the repairs and he thinks that, uh, you know, a lot of the, the players now know all his secrets, or at least they think they know all his secrets. They know about the absorb system. They know now about the discharge system, like how that works. But he's actually thinking, well, since they know how all those work, he's like, there is a third unrevealed system that they don't know about. And he's like, we may have to use this in the next match because they already know about the other two systems. 
Isla and Reiji also have an interaction towards the end. You know, she gives him some meat buns to make up for all the money that he had bestowed upon her the last time they met. And then it's a little odd, but it looks like, you know, basically they're they're having, you know, a friendly interaction, but some street toughs, some thugs are walking into the supermarket that Reiji was exiting, and they make some comments to Isla, and then she gets all pissy about it, and it looks like it's going to start this big fight, and Reiji's like, well, look, I'll, you know, I'll beat up these guys or whatever. And that's basically, you know, that's kind of where the episode ends for real until we get to these these after credits. And the after credits, you know, the chairman's aide is basically asking the chairman why he's so concerned over Reiji. And there, there's a little bit more detail revealed where, you know, you, they, they talk about him having the face of the prince. So I guess in this nation, you know, maybe Reiji is royalty. There, there is some comment he makes about, I think, I guess uh, after that, the you know, it looks like the aide is going to set it up so that the the, the Thailand champ is going to end up fighting Ray and Saiji next, and or Reiji and Sai next. Saiji. <laughs> she seems pretty confident that, that that will prove to be their undoing. I guess she has some nefarious plan up her sleeve. And then, I guess, it, it, you know, at least at this point in the episode, it looks like Reiji at least drove off these guys that were, you know, these street toughs that were going to attack them, but it looks like he hurt his hand doing it, and we're not really sure how that happened, but Isla's kind of there, you know, kind of nursing his hand, and you can see, you know, his hand is, is uh, you know, it looks like he maybe sprained it or, you know, hurt it or something. We're not entirely sure, but that's that's basically how the after credits wrap up and everything. So that's that's pretty much the episode. What, what did you think of, of the episode, Mike? I liked it a lot. I, I was surprised that, like, the first half kind of wrapped up like so fast almost like I thought that battle would have taken the whole episode, but they, they more or less beat the, the mega size Zaku like halfway through. And then the rest of it is kind of like uh, aftermath stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was just, I was just going to say just a little bit more character beats, I guess for yeah. all those folks. You know? I don't know. Starting in this episode, I started to really like enjoy like the chairman just cause he's a very like fun, like childish character, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I can and, see that. I, I like, and I also like. He also shows like that he's kind of, I guess, in it for the wealth or whatever, because he's kind of like when the Zaku's rampaging. He's like, you know, like uh, what's he call her, Miss Baker? He's like Baker Chan, you know, like what what is that Mecca's name? And she's like, it's a Zaku. Ah, oh, yes, a Zaku. And I'm like, you're like man, if you you're into like Gundam and you don't know what a Zaku uh, is, yeah, that's yeah. like wow. Like so, you kind of get the impression that he's just in it for the cash or you know whatever. Well, he does. He does also say, you know, as as in his defense of of releasing the Mega Zaku, I think he says to Major Kawaguchi or somebody, he's like, it doubled the ratings, you know, like yeah. it, it was a good thing, you know, like I, you know, and and you know, ratings means more money, you know, that's that's how that kind of goes yeah and I, I like when after like yuki like crushed his hand he was like you know ah, it hurts like itai, itai. he's like writhing on the ground and stuff that's uh he's he's pretty he's a pretty entertaining character more or less for the rest of the series so even even though he's like a douchebag basically yeah yeah but he he's he, the, the guy you love to hate i guess yeah kind of thing. exactly yeah 
Cool. Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I enjoyed the episode. I usually always enjoy it. I, I like the way they all kind of work together. It was nice that uh, early genius actually got some, a little crack into his armor. Like he may not be a total douchebag after all, you know, so that's, that's good to see. I, I, I enjoyed it. And, uh, what do you call it? Yuki gets some, like, more bad, like, as if he didn't have enough already, he gets some more, like, badass points where he, like, you know, he's like, don't fuck with Gumpla Battle, man. <laughs> you know? He's got his little, like, you know, guitar beat in the background whenever he shows up or whatever. I feel like every time he shows up, there should be, like, a rose that flies out of nowhere and, like, sticks in something. Nice. Cool. All right. Well, I guess that wraps up our discussion on the 12th episode of Build Fighters Discharge. We hope you enjoyed listening to our commentary on Build Fighters for Mobile Suit Mondays. And you can also find us at fanholspodcast.blogspot.com. You can send us emails at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. And, you know, we've got other side shows that you can check out. If you've enjoyed Mobile Suit Mondays, you may enjoy listening to Sendai Saturdays, Toku Thursdays, and Transformers Tuesdays. And of course, we've got the Fan Holes podcast proper. So this has been a lot of fun. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, mega signing off. <laughs> it's Mike Thunderwing. And as always, Gumpla Battle is serious business. It is going to be one of those creepy sessions where it totally like advertises to you because it's only the two of us the whole time. Where I'm like, I really want some sexy hot wings, and all of a sudden it's like some ad for fucking KFC comes up or something. <laughs> you know, I, I remember when I was doing, you know, when me and Justin were to record the episodes by ourselves, it would freak me out because I'd be like, man, and then blah blah blah, Target, and then all of a sudden there's like an ad for Target. And I'm just like, God damn it, stop listening to me. I'm surprised, you know? yeah, like Amazon or something wouldn't bring up like Gundam models or something. Yeah, 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 or whatever, whatever it is.